We're going to be in the Word of God together today in Luke chapter 4. There's some Bibles on the back table, or you can use your phone. Uh, before we get into the Word today, we're going to pray for Mike Hayden, who is in Turkey right now, on his way to Pakistan to do a little conference with Gary Finkbeiner and our brothers in Pakistan. We're going to pray for his protection, but that the Lord would use him mightily. So let's take just a minute and pray. Father, thank you so much for Mike. Lord, thank you for the, for the blessing that he is to our body, but also the blessing that he is to your people around the world. And so, Lord, humbly, we look to you because we know that our small contribution is just from you. But, Lord, we send Mike with great faith, knowing that you're going before him. And so we pray, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would use him powerfully. Father, open hearts, open minds. Lord, cross all the language barriers. Lord, you be the bridge that we need for all things, so that your righteousness, your peace, and your joy, your kingdom, in fact, would reign in Pakistan, in St. Louis, in everywhere, because this earth is yours. We pray for the church in Pakistan, that they would be built up and blessed and know your strength and power and might. Lord, give them wisdom in everything they do and give them great fruit that they can see a great harvest by your name and by your gospel. Use our brother Mike, protect him. Father, I pray for protection on Shelly, on all the family, that they would have total protection and peace upon them so that while Mike is gone, there will be nothing that would befall this family. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, we're looking together in the book of Luke, and we've been in a series here where we're looking at Luke that started before Christmas and has now continued through Christmas where we're seeing uh, sort of the Christmas story from Luke's eyes, and then following that, now we're learning about Jesus as he's growing into his ministry. So last week we talked about Jesus coming into his hometown, and he sat down and he read from a scroll in the synagogue, and he said some things about it, and the people didn't like him. At first, they're like, oh, he's so gracious. This is amazing. Then they turned their attitude toward, uh, let's murder this guy. And it's pretty interesting because Jesus really has two responses. The first, re the first response with Jesus is generally people either receive him and they are falling all over themselves to get to Jesus, or they completely revolt and, and riot against him. And so in this particular case, they seem to receive him at first, and then they change their minds and they try to take him to a cliff to throw him over. And somehow, miraculously, he sort of just walks through the crowd because he's Jesus. And now we're going to find in Luke chapter 4, as we continue on, that Jesus is doing ministry in the area. He comes to a place called Capernaum in Galilee. And there he is teaching and he's going amongst the synagogues, which are like uh, the sort of little Jewish churches in the area. And he's healing people, and we're going to pick up the story there. So please read with me Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 31. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 31. Here's what it says. And he, that's Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went into all every place in the surrounding region. 
And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Praise the Lord for his word. Isn't his word good? Amen. Jesus is incredible. Jesus is incredible. As we're looking at this word, I want you to think for just a moment. If you could picture for yourself a great boss, a great king, a great leader, what would that leader look like? If you were to take some of the qualities of the best leaders that you've ever had in your life, or books that you've read, or things that you've heard, or movies that you've seen, and sort of make the creation of the best leader ever, what kind of qualities would that person possess? What would that person be like? It's rhetorical, so you can just think about it in your head this time. Malachi, you're one of my favorite kids ever. I like you a lot. So think about it in your head. What, is some, what are some things that you would look for? And in this case, Jesus, he is preaching, and he's teaching, and he's walking. You know, Jesus mostly taught. That's one of the things he does. Actually, the miracles are still miracles in that they don't happen all the time. It seems that whenever Jesus is around, miracles happen a lot. But Jesus, most of the time, is walking and talking with disciples and teaching people and often going to the synagogues where people are actually there seeking God. And what's interesting in this case is when Jesus starts to heal people, what's happening, too, is it's the Sabbath day. And so during the Sabbath day, they go to the synagogues. Jesus is teaching there and telling them all kind of things. Then they go home and rest. Then at sundown, when the Sabbath day ends in the, in the Israelite calendar, then they come out with all the sick and bring them to Jesus. And so Jesus is actually at nighttime healing all these people that are coming to him. Any, it says, who were brought to him, he healed. What's really fascinating is that Jesus is doing this in a way that people would not expect. When I was a little kid, I really, really, really wanted to be a Jedi. It's just, I really wanted to be a Jedi. I wanted to have a lightsaber. Now, if you've ever seen any of those Star Wars movies, I saw them growing up, and they were super cool. And boy, that's, if I could get one thing for Christmas, it was a lightsaber. That's what I really wanted, which of course doesn't exist, but that would be cool. And, uh, and I mention that to you because when you think about how people are going to do great things, how people are going to rule, or they're going to do something amazing, Usually, they have some kind of way of demonstrating who they are. So a wizard that shows up is going to have some kind of great staff. Or a Jedi that shows up is going to have his lightsaber. Or there's going to be some kind of thing. King Arthur's got Excalibur. There's always some kind of tool that's used to do some kind of good thing in our popular culture. When Jesus shows up, he walks in the synagogue, he starts speaking. The people are amazed at the authority with which he's speaking. And then a demon cries out to him. And what does the demon say? He says, ha! What are you here to do with us? He says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And he asks Jesus, are you here to destroy us? And what does Jesus do? Does he pull out a lightsaber? Does he pull out Excalibur? Does he suddenly have fruit from the tree of life? that was left over from the garden somehow? Do 10,000 angels come down? Does he have a great staff like Moses that turns into a serpent? 
The Ark of the Covenant doesn't show up. There's no big flash of lightning. Instead, with the word of his power, the same word with which he spoke with authority, opening people's hearts and teaching them, he rebukes the evil spirit and tells him, be quiet and come out. And what happens? What happens? He does. He does. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but if I had Ian here, I would ask Ian to come up. And he's, but he's at a Boy Scout camp thing right now. Do you, one of you guys want to be a volunteer? Come on up, Malachi. You're awesome. Can you do some acting for me? Here's the only rule. You cannot get hurt. Okay, Dimitri, you come too. You can do it. You can do it. This is important because if I had chose Nora, she would be very upset with me all day. So now, see, this is really important because you guys are helping me a lot. Okay, <laughs> okay. Dimitri, you're, look how tall this guy is. Maybe go down a step, okay? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Dimitri, you're going to be Jesus, okay? okay? So you're teaching in the synagogue. So you could hold my Bible and, and you pretend like you're teaching, okay? And then Malachi, you're going to be the guy with the demon. So you got the acting abilities, okay? So you come right here so everybody can see you. You come right here, right? And you're listening to Jesus preach. Come on up so everybody can see you. Now, here's what you got to do, okay? When he tells you, come out of him, because the demon's talking, but the guy's kind of trapped. Does that make sense? So when the demon comes out, the demon throws him on the ground. All right? So you got to fall on the ground, shake around a little bit. Okay, and then stand up like, here's the acting part. Stand up like, oh, I'm good now. And you can say, say what you think he would say. What do you think he would say? I do not know, honestly. That's, say that. Okay, ready? Okay, ready? All right, teaching, go for it. And then command the, and then you say, ha! What do you have to do with us, Jesus? Ha! What do you have to do with us, Jesus? Say, did you come to destroy us? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Come out now. Okay. That was pretty good. Let's give him a round of applause. A round of applause. Good job. All right. Good job. Way to go. Good job. Way to go. Okay. Have a seat. Have a seat. You guys did great. Have you ever been in a meeting where somebody is disruptive? Or a class, like think way back to high school, that one kid that always got in trouble. There was a kid in my, our Spanish class every day. His name was Matt. Every day he stood in the hallway. Every day. Because every day he would say something ridiculous. Um, not in Spanish. And so that was every day. He was, so think of your Matt person in the middle of something. What happens to the class? Every, oh no! You know that feeling, like especially if somebody challenged. So this guy is preaching. Everybody in the auditorium, everybody in the synagogue is whispering to each other, saying, "Wow, this te this he has such authority. Wow, we're astounded. This, are you going to get his autograph? That's what everybody's doing." And then the demon stands up, and what's the first word he says? Ha! What do you think happens to the? Synagogue. Like a high school, like, like seventh grade. Every, uh, it's Matt, what did he say? That's what happens. And what does Jesus do? No lightsaber, no Excalibur. 
I don't even think, he, I think Dimitri did a good job. He didn't raise his voice. He just said, what are you doing? Stop speaking, come out. And then what happens to the guy? He flops around like a fish for a second. What do you think the people, how, what would their reaction be? What would your reaction be? I mean, whatever he says, whew, write that tithe check right now. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Our, friend, uh, our friends in Belarus, they were, having a, they were having a revival in Belarus. And Belarus is a, a Soviet bloc country next to Russia, and by, right by Ukraine. And uh, about 10, 15 years ago, a, a great revival swept through. And a little church, our friends that are there, his name is Slava. Slava's little church, he had 150 people. And suddenly, they had 1,500 people coming. So they had to get a little hallway, and they would rent it out to have enough space for the people. And he told the deacons, when the people come in, chain the door shut. Because in the middle of the meeting, the demons would start screaming. And then they would cast them out, and the people would panic and try to run out. And he would tell the people, stay until you've seen what God has done. And they would cast out the demons who would flee. And then they would open the doors, and the people would stay because they would see the authority of God. That's what this feels like. We can make light of it. This is a terrifying scene. This is one of those things where everybody's feeling pretty good about themselves. They came to church on Sunday. They showed up. They're the best attenders. Here they are. Wow, guest speaker. It's Jesus. He's so good. This is amazing. And then the demon's challenging his authority. Who are you? Have you come to destroy us? In other words, what are you going to do? You think you have some power? I know who you are, Holy One of God. I've seen your people before. Prophets, speaking with authority. I got your number. But never like this. Because Jesus just speaks. And it happens. There's only one person like that. And it's God himself. See, the Holy One of God, we're starting to see is God. And he just speaks. And now the people are astounded, and I would say a little bit afraid. So they finish the Sabbath day, and what does Jesus do? He doesn't have a seminar. If you want to build some kind of great business or ministry, what would you do? If you want the big information, stay after. We're going to talk about it for six hours. It's going to be great. You're going to get all the tools. Tools of success from Jesus. He doesn't do that. What does he do instead? Goes to have lunch with a friend. He goes to Simon's house. Come on, Simon, let's go eat. They go to Simon's house. Now, when he gets there, he sits down. What do they do? Sounds like they eat. He's having lunch on Sunday, really Saturday here this time period. But on the Sabbath day, they're having lunch. They're having time together. They're enjoying it. And then it says that the disciples and the people that are there, he hasn't fully called all of them yet. But the people who came to church with him say, Jesus, uh, Remember that demon that you spoke to? Uh, Simon's mom is really sick. Like, she's so sick that she's in bed and can't move. Do you think you could say something to her? And so what happens? He comes. He stands over her. He rebukes the fever. And immediately, immediately, she's well. And not just well, like, whew, I got to recover well. 
Have you ever been on a great vacation and then you come back from the vacation, you need a vacation from the vacation? Yeah. Have you ever been sick and you get better but you just need a couple days to really get back into it? That's not her. The fever goes, immediately she gets up and starts serving. So not only is she better, she's revitalized. And how does Jesus heal her? He just says it. He just says it. Then the nighttime comes. This is all happening in the same day. And all the people in the countryside say, have you heard about Jesus? The prayer chain went out hard. It went to everybody. And they say, you got to come. you got to come see Jesus. And the word says, every one of them that they brought to him, he laid his hands on them. Every one. And healed him. And demons also came out of many. Could you imagine being a demon? You shouldn't. If you can say yes. We'll talk later. <laughs> but could you imagine a demon inside somebody, and now the one with whom has all authority in heaven and earth touches you? And what do they do? They just come out. And Jesus, just by being there, just by touching them, they're coming out. And now they're crying out, you're the son of God. It's not just the holy one. You see, the, they have a negative prayer chain that's gone out. Their, their information system has gone out saying, watch out for this guy. He casts people out just by speaking. And now, let's hide in his meeting. But they can't hide in his meeting because the friends are bringing them up. This guy's out of his mind. Can you help him? And what does Jesus do? He just touches them. As soon as he touches them, they're freed and the demons are fleeing. And what are they crying out? You're the son of God. But the people don't understand what this means. Why are they saying that? It says, Jesus said, in verse 41, he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because he has power ready over the demons' tongues. How incredible is that? Because they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 42, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. They want him to stay. They're so excited. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Praise the Lord. They want Jesus to stay. Who is the Christ? You know, the Bible tells us that there's a Messiah coming. From Genesis 3.15, when man had sinned, God comes down to judge that sin. And from the very beginning of the Bible, the Lord said, I will bring a solution to this sin. And he told the evil one, he said, your offspring, Satan, your temptation, your junk, the poison that you put in the hearts of the people, the sin that they've done, they're going to have to bear that sin because I told them if they sin, they'll surely die. But you, I want you to know that your offspring, the things that you produce, I'm going to bring offspring. The offspring of the woman, a son, a son who will come. And that son will come, and you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. Now, how does a son come but by God making that happen? No one has the power to make children. There's natural ways of making children, but they, you, you have to have the Lord. The Lord has to knit the child. There's no way to make life apart from God. But ready from the beginning of the story of the Bible, God had promised that he would bring a son he would bring one who would bring an end 
to the strife, to an end to the evil, an end to the poison, an end to the sin. And then the prophets come and they start speaking of this Messiah who's going to come, this king, this ruler who would come, who would usher in a new age, and that age would be an age of righteousness and peace and joy and healing and prosperity and grace, and that the, even the, the herds would be better and the flocks would be better and the animals would be better and creation would be restored and everything suddenly would be made right because of this son who would come, who is the Messiah. And everyone knew that when the Messiah comes, he will be the king, not just the king of Israel, but the king who would be the king of the world because he was God's son that the Lord was going to bring. And the demons have tested Jesus. And what have they said? They've said, you're the holy one. But now with just a touch, they've realized he's the son. And Jesus is quieting them because they're already spoiling the story that in fact he is the Christ. That word Christ is the word Messiah just translated into Greek. It's the same title. In other words, what they're crying out is, you are the king. You're, you're the son that's been promised. You're the right maker. You're the one who will put everything correct. You're the king of kings. And then Jesus is pressed by the people saying, stay here, stay with us. We want to be close to you. And he says, I have to go and preach the good news of the kingdom. You know that word kingdom can actually be translated the good news of the reign of God. Because what has happened is the kingdom has been made now. Jesus, in the reign of God, the king has come, and with just a word, with just a touch, with just a presence, he is already making things right. He is already defeating the works of the evil one. And the first demon that cried out had it right. He said, did you come here to destroy us? And Jesus didn't even have to say yes. He just said, come out. And flopping on the ground is a guy who comes back in his right mind. Man, could you imagine that lunch? Be so great. That's the best lunch ever. Go home from church and you're eating lunch, back in your right mind finally, not oppressed by the demons, because you encountered Jesus. And the reign of God from the King of Kings who had been promised, the Messiah, the Christ, the King, who is reigning now. What a great Jesus. What a great God that we serve. There's something you need to know from this. You need to know who Jesus is. Many people in our culture want to tell you that he's just a holy one. He's a holy person. He's a good prophet. He's somebody who spoke some good words. He has lots of lessons that you should live by. If you do what he says, you'll be blessed. And all those things are true. The problem is he's not only the holy one. He's the son of God. The Bible tells us that the Lord himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is one God in three persons. And that is a mystery. But Jesus, when they cry out and say, you're the son of God, they get it right because he is God himself, the second person of the Trinity, the Son made flesh for us. He is God. Not only that, but he is the promised king. You know, some people are okay with Jesus just being a holy one with teachings. Other people are okay with God being the Son. He's, the, he, he's a God. He's a choice. He's an option. And you can choose. You can choose how you want to live. The problem is his last title is king, is Christ, is Messiah. He's the ruler. He's the vice regent, perfect everything under the Father. He is the king of the world. 
You cannot just take his teachings and say he's holy. You cannot just say, oh yeah, he's a God, and that's fine. You have to take Jesus for who he is, and who he is is your king, whether you want to bow the knee or not. He is our king. The demons flee at his touch. Bodies respond to his word. Creation itself was made to worship him. You were created to bear his image and worship him. The thing you need to know from this passage is, who is Jesus? And the answer is, he is God. He's the Holy One. He's the King. And he's our Savior. Because the Christ wasn't just going to be a great king. He was going to be the deliverer of all people. He was going to be the deliverer of creation. He was going to crush the head of the serpent. He was going to bring an end to evil. He's our great champion. He's our everything. And these people in this story are the ones who are coming to church. They're the faithful ones. And even those people need Jesus because he is the champion that frees them from all the bad things. Who is Jesus? You have to know. He's the Lord. He's the King. He's our God. He's our Savior. The Bible tells us that Jesus would live a perfect life, that he, the Christ, the rightful King of the earth, would then die on a cross as a traitor to God even though he had no sin because he takes our sin upon himself. And on the cross, he would take all of our sin. He would suffer all the punishment and the wrath that was stored up for you and me that we might know the righteousness of God. The Bible tells us that he died, which was what was due us. And instead then of us dying, he raised to life. And when he rose to life, he takes us, though dead in our trespasses, and raises us to life with him, that now we can put on the righteousness of God. The great truth of the Bible is that Jesus is our king. He's our God. He's our savior. He's our everything. We have no righteousness apart from him. We have no life apart from him. We have no healing apart from him. He is our source of life. He's the Messiah. The one thing we have to know is who Jesus is. And he is our all in all. This text demands something of us to be something, to do something, to change our hearts that we would follow him. When we see Jesus and the power that he has and the grace that he has and the reign that he has... This text demands of us that we must be his disciples. We must bow the knee to him. We must follow him. And we must commit ourselves to Christ. Because there's no one else, no other name in heaven or earth by which we might be saved except the name of Jesus. And so if there's any other philosophy that we follow before Christ, if there's any other teaching that we follow before Christ, if there's any other rules or, or regulations or thoughts before Christ, they have to be made subservient to Jesus because he is the king of kings. And in that way, you must be his disciple and say, Lord, I trust you and you alone even more than I trust myself, that you are my king. We have to know who Jesus is and it affects who we are. And lastly, if it affects who we are, it changes what we do. What we do cannot be to run to other philosophies. When we have challenges or pains in the world, we can't run to other things or think that our good work or our church service or church attendance is going to make things right. We have to run straight to Jesus. Not only that, but what do the people do? When the sun comes down, they brought everyone who was sick to come to Jesus. And he lays hands on them and heals them. You know, Jesus went back to heaven, raised from the dead. 
He's seated at the right hand of God. He sent the Counselor, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit to us to indwell us so that Christ himself is in you by faith because the Holy Spirit himself, God himself, is in you. And he has given you his authority to speak in his name that we should do like he does. We need to be a bold people who stand in his authority. What does that mean? It means that everybody who gets brought to us, everybody who gets brought to us, not in our power, not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. We open our mouth, we place our hand on their head, and we say, be healed in the name of Jesus. That every demon who comes in our path shrieks because they see you and they say, I know who you are, holy one of God. Because you weren't holy, but he died and rose again and made you holy. You're not God, but he's in you. And so when you walk, when you're before demons, when you're before sickness, when you're before anything, you can stand in his authority and say, Lord, I trust you. And open your mouth and do something great and say, Lord, heal my brother, heal my friend, heal this person and see him work because he's good. Are we bold like that? Do we know Jesus with that kind of authority? Or is Jesus really just a good teacher in our mind? Because if we receive Jesus as just a good teacher, then we come to people with philosophies. And we say, you know, you should, you should think about this. Because if you think about it, you'll hear his teachings and it will help your life. That tends to be what the gospels water down to. Instead of, I want you to encounter God. I've told you the gospel. Now I'm going to pray for you and God will do something. It might not be right now. It might be in two or three days, but you call me when it happens. In the name of Jesus, not by my might, but because of him. In his authority, not mine, I pray now in Jesus' name, Lord, open his eyes. And see what happens. See what happens. What kind of faith is that? I'm challenging us to be doers of the word. That if we believe in the authority of Christ, if we believe this is who he is, if we know him in his character, that he heals everyone brought to him, why wouldn't he keep doing that? Will he say no sometimes? Yeah. Just like Chrysanthi's testimony this morning. God used negative things. The prayer didn't get answered right away. But then God did all this stuff and did answer the prayer. And now on the other side, she can go, wow, Lord, you spoke into that. I didn't even know. But in our little faith, we say, let me tell you about Jesus. He's good. Okay, bye. Instead of bringing people to him, how do you bring somebody to Jesus? You say, let me tell you about the Savior. He's the Lord. He took our sin. He died on our behalf. He rose again. He's the king. His rule is everything. I know him. You should know him. Let me pray for you. If you just see him, if you just feel his touch, if you just hear his word, I'm telling you, the demons flee. I'm telling you, the fevers go away. Let me just pray for you. And that faith, God uses it, doesn't he? So I'm challenging you, let's be a people who believe in the authority of Christ. Let's be a people who open our mouths. Let's be a people who trust him because we know his character. And then if he says no to our prayer, we say, Lord, you got something else. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to stay with it because I'm going to see. I'm going to see what happens. Because he's good and he's ruling and reigning. His kingdom is now. It's not future. It's not back then. It's now. And he's good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're good. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. Lord, we know it's you, God. We know that you sent your son.
to become a man on our behalf. We know he died and rose again. We trust you and we believe in you. Lord, help us to be good disciples. Help us to follow you, not in our own might. But Lord, you open our minds, you open our hearts, you open our muscles to do all the things for you. We want to follow you and we want to represent you well because you are a great king. Lord, help us to do your work. Lord, everyone that you bring to us, Father, we want to bring to you. So Lord, help us be a representative on the earth for you because you have filled us with your Holy Spirit, that we would be quick to pray, that we would be quick to have faith, that we would be quick to come to you and not to try to solve things by philosophies, but instead to bring every lamb you give us straight to you, the good shepherd. Lord, thank you that you participate, you allow us to participate with you. Lord, we recognize that you don't even need us because by your power, by your word, by your touch, Lord, you can do anything. But Lord, thank you that you've ushered us in to participate with you, to do your work. We praise you. Help us to be found faithful in the mighty name of Jesus. May you know the great call of the Father. May you know today the rule of the Son whose kingdom is now. And may you know the power of the Holy Spirit as you intercede, as you bring, bring people to Jesus and see hearts and lives changed. God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll see you Wednesday. Amen. Bless you all. Have a great day.